Ugh. Shit, dude, so how's your week been? Uh, everything been chilling since the last time we talked? My week has been a roller coaster. Why roller coaster, dog? So check me out. Uh, a couple days ago on board, it's I think it's like before the Warriors game was. Oh shit! Okay. So it's before the Warriors game, and I'm just scrolling through my phone. I end up on Sleeper. Yeah. And what happens when you're on Sleeper? You look at your team when of you're course. in a, when you're in a dynasty league. Of course. So it's I don't know. It's Monday night, six o'clock afternoon. Just ate dinner, sitting yeah. down on the couch, kind of got my gut out. Yeah. Looking through my phone, stumble upon a Sleeper. Oh shit! Wait, look at my team. Oh shit! Wait, let me go like analyze my team. Oh shit, wait. Fantasy pros will break down my team out of 100. Damn near give me a letter grade and compare me to the rest of the teams in the league. Yeah. Oh shit, let me go do that real quick. Damn. I did that. Didn't come back great. I got... Can you guess what my score was? Uh, honestly, based off your team... Like, I guess, what is the... Ba- or what's the rankings out of, I guess? So the rankings are 0 out of 100. I, uh, based on your team, I bet you're probably around like a 50. That was 47. Oh, shit, dude. You're trash. There's a lot that goes into that, but um, it wasn't great. That didn't help my ego for shit. Nah, dude. Yeah, I just confirmed that you're trash. I'm sorry yep. to hear that, man. So, what happens when you realize you're trash? You gotta you gotta go hit the film room. Yep. You gotta go hit the film room and see what you can find. You gotta yep. go make some work, make some trades. So, um, Recently, I've been watching a ton of film, and the reason that's relevant is because we're watching film now. Um, me and Dugo are getting ready to record this episode, and we turned on Tyler Huntley of the Ravens. Yeah, dude, he's uh, he's one of those really, really interesting like players that I think he has all the talent in the world. I mean, when you saw what he did against the Packers last year, off of us, I think it was a short week. Mm-hmm. Um, and being able to do what he did, I mean, they almost came out with a win. So, I mean, props to him. I and mean, that was against. Uh, defense that was around like the top ten, I think. So yeah, I think I think he has a lot of upside, man. And I think he's kind of like he's the backup plan for the Ravens. Obviously, if uh if Lamar ends up like shit in the bed, and if he just doesn't end up signing a contract, like I I think they're kind like not necessarily content with Tyler Huntley, but I think he's almost like a carbon copy. Of Lamar Jackson to an extent. I mean, Lamar are pretty similar, yeah. Yeah, because like they both can have that running uh, asset to them. Uh, they both throw a pretty decent ball, um, and they're both really smart. It seems like like they know like when to run and when to you know like kind of fuck off and <laughs> yeah. you know. So I don't know. Like it's it's nice. So that Ravens. That I, Ra- yeah. What do you think? Like, what do you think about Tyler Huntley? Like, what do you think about that whole like Lamar situation? I guess that Ravens offense is good enough to where it was able to survive last year, even through Lamar getting hurt a bunch. Facts. And Tyler Huntley having to step in. Yeah. And so I think that obviously Lamar is the guy, but it is there's a ten percent chance, five percent chance that something could happen with Lamar. Mm-hmm. I mean, he hasn't signed a contract. He has a year left. He's bet on himself. We see how quickly NFL contracts can just, you know, kind of bring teams apart from their players. So right. we'll wait to see what happens with that. Hopefully hopefully he stays. But Tyler Huntley is somebody who can get some play. And Facts. if he doesn't get play, like, he can always get traded to an opportunity. What, where do you think he get traded to? Like, what, what pops up in your mind? Man, I think that either Lamar or Tyler would be a really good fit in Miami for the Dolphins. Ooh, shit. So, like, if, uh, if Tua doesn't end up panning out, oh. you think that that would be a good... Uh, if, 
if like Nick, a little direction. If next year ends up being a duck and the Ravens can't come to an agreement with Lamar, mm-hmm. but they can orchestrate a trade to get some return for him. Right. I mean, that would probably be a number one destination. He's from he's from Florida, so mm-hmm. uh, the Dolphins need a quarterback. They got a bunch of speed down there, and that offense would be crazy. That would be fucking unreal, dude. I think, uh, yeah, I could I see that happening? Not necessarily, but, like, it's fun to talk about. Like, I think, especially nowadays, like, with people, like, have, especially players, like, having, like, all the flexibility in the world to, like, go do what they want to do. Almost pick their destination, like we saw with Devontae Adams. Uh, we saw, I think Tyreek Hill kind of wanted the same thing. Like, he wanted to get down somewhere else. Like, it, obviously, it was between, like, I mean, it seems like it was just Miami. Like, people are trying to compare, like, him going to, like, the Jets and stuff. But you knew there was no way that that was going to happen if Miami was on the table. True. And so, yeah, like, if you see, like, Lamar kind of, like, looking at everyone else and be like, damn, like, I can actually have some power in this situation. Like, mm-hmm. I could get a buck here in Maryland, or I could go down to Florida. Florida tax-free. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, like, it's a, it's interesting to think about, man, for sure. Mm-hmm. Or That's but, just, like, a random thought, and, well, you know, I don't I, know how possible it is, but... Right, I, I don't know how possible it is either, but I think regardless... I think they have, like, the tools, like you're saying, on that offense. Like, one person that people aren't really talking about just because he's been injured just about every year has been in the fucking league. Mm -hmm. But J.K. Dobbins, the running back. Dude, like, he is an absolute stud. Like, I really, really like him. I think what he does is special. He kind of gives me, like, a young Zeke vibe. Um, Except I think he can kind of do some of those things that Zeke doesn't necessarily do as well, a little bit better. Uh, those being like catching the ball out of the backfield and actually having some sort of, you know, like momentum to actually do shit. Have you act? Yeah, I think I think J.K. Dobbins gives you more of that effect, and I think after contact, yeah. So yeah, like obviously Zeke, like he's really good at like running the ball and breaking contact and shit like that. But I just feel like once he has to catch the ball first, I'm not sure like what's going on in his mentals, but it just seems like. Zeke isn't necessarily doing it. And that's obviously why the uh, Cowboys have Tony Pollard. That's but. super fair. I mean, so J.K. J.K. Dobbins has been with the Ravens since 2020. Yeah. He was drafted, and in his first year, he ran for 805 yards with nine touchdowns. Yeah, dude. He played 15 of 16 games, and then he happened to miss pretty much the whole year last year due to an injury. Yeah, he tore his ACL like that first like offseason training. Since, that's unreal. Since the last we have seen J.K. Dobbins... As a fan base, mm-hmm. was nearly two years ago. Right. And the guy's 23. In his one year we have evidence from, he was RB23 in PPR and RB17 if you play in standard leagues and pass catching doesn't influence anything. Right, right. So J.K. Dobbins has a talent. He's 5'10, 212. He's going into, I want to say, his third year now. Mm-hmm. Man, I know Lamar takes a bunch of those rushes away, but I still just like Dobbins as a, as a profile. Right. And um, I trust that. I trust good profiles and good offenses. Absolutely, man. And I think, obviously, they always key on the run, it seems like, when the Ravens are playing. And so, like, with some of those sweeps, like, or not sweeps, but, like, with some of those uh, reads and stuff, um, yeah, like, if they key on Lamar too much one time and Dobbs is able just to take it to the house, 
Like, that's huge. Dobbins will, like, truck you, too. Yeah, like, he's not afraid of contact, man. Like, he honestly kind of embraces it sometimes when he's out there. Like, he wants mm-hmm. to fucking hit you. Yep. And then he's going to get into the end zone. And, yeah, obviously your fantasy team, if you have him, will mm-hmm. be six points richer. Yep. Ravens, as a fun fact, average the most run carries. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the most run uh, plays on offense. Last year, I believe they ranked first. Yeah. Uh, they run about 34 run plays a game. Which makes sense, especially like, with all the zone reads and stuff that they do. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like, that makes a lot of sense. And so, or I'm sorry, that was 2020. Oh, shit. But re- still relevant, still same coaching right. and all that stuff. So. Exactly, yeah. It, yeah, it doesn't seem like much is really changing within that offense. It yeah. seems like they uh, they have a plan and they know how to attack it. I apologize for the mis- misinformation. God damn it, Jahaya. Oh, shit. Don't Fix your off. shit. Piece of shit. But, bro, I don't know. Like, I'm kind of excited for his comeback this year. Yeah. Um, we'll see what happens. I think he might be getting a couple more catches this year, especially with um, uh, Hollywood Brown obviously getting traded. Mm-hmm. So, I think that leaves him kind of open to get some more of those receptions as well. I mean, Mark Andrews can't take all those receptions. Well, he probably could, but. Who's the one guy from that Arizona Cardinals offense that you really want to get your hands on if you have the opportunity? And you can't say the quarterback, Kyler. Well, I mean. Off rip, uh, I would probably say James Conner, which I already have. Like yeah. I think that him down to that system, especially with them not necessarily adding like any like competition as far as like weapons. Like I feel like he's gonna get all the carries that he wants, and um, I think they're just gonna basically supplement him with like that seventh round or sixth round running back that they got and whatever scrub they pick off the street as well. If you're in a fourteen team league. Mm-hmm. Have PPR scoring one quarterback, uh, no super flex, just regular one quarterback. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna assume that James Conner and Hollywood Brown are going somewhere like in the same room of each other in, in fantasy drafts, probably within the same range. This is just raw information or just me like just thinking. Yeah, I'll for it. But uh, I think that if you're in a 14 team league and you get to maybe the third round. I think James Conner and Hollywood Brown are both going to be two people that you're eyeing up. Have at, to. At least by the fourth. Right. And guaranteed is going to happen if, if either of them last until the fourth that long. Got, 100%. You know, past pick 50 or something like that. But, you know, like, it's possible. And in that situation, do you chase upside? Do you chase reliability? Even though James Conner is somebody who everyone worries about his health. Well, I mean, at that point, I'd probably just go for value position. And if I could get a running back that is around the same rank as a wide receiver, mm-hmm. I'd probably go with that running go back, running back yeah. and try to get a different receiver down the line, like yep. the next round or some shit. The replacement value on missing at receiver is way, way, way less. Yeah, so I would probably, I mean, as much upside as I think there is with, uh, you know, him and uh, Kyler, you yeah. know, with the relationship they already have, I think that's really cool. Mm-hmm. But I just think if you're missing out on a running back just because you think that there's a special connection, I mean, you're you're betting on a lot of different things. Like I think, like obviously we keep seeing these connections pop up more and more, which is dank. Mm-hmm. But I mean, not everyone is always going to come to fruition. I don't think. No. So and what I mean by that too, for some of our listeners who. You know, maybe you're just getting into fantasy, or maybe you don't pay attention to all those stats and phrases and acronyms and whatnot. Um, Replacement value is essentially the value that you can get by waiting on that position Mm -hmm. and 
taking somebody around later, two rounds later in your draft, right? So the replacement value of a receiver in the fourth round is maybe I don't get Hollywood Brown, but maybe I can go get Darnell Mooney in the six, mm-hmm. right? Like, there's not that much of a difference no matter who I get. As opposed to taking James Conner in the fourth, who's a running back, he could fill him out RB2 or RB3. Yep. As opposed to maybe waiting and taking Miles Sanders mm. around later. Like, would you rather have Miles Sanders in that offense or James Conner? And it's like, I think it's clearly James Conner. Right, 100%. We've seen him do it, but that's a larger difference mm-hmm. than, per se, Hollywood Brown and um, Darnell Mooney, you know? So, Yuck. Bro, if you take in Darnell Mooney in the sixth, that might fucking, I might castrate someone. So he might go earlier. Bro, that's ridiculous. He's a wide receiver one on the team. Bro, I, I, I know. when people bring that up, I just want to say he's a wide receiver one on literally the worst team in the league. <laughs> Yo, he's going to go on like that Allen Robinson range. Bro, like, I just think that's disgusting. Like, I don't know if Allen Robinson should even be going up in the fucking fifth or sixth. Like, that's stupid. That's absolutely kind of ridiculous. Like, Allen Robinson, I think he's. A decent receiver, but, like, if you're touching him in the fifth or sixth, like, why? Like, I need people to explain themselves because I think there's a lot of other things out there that they could be pursuing. Like, mm-hmm. have you ever thought of fucking, you know, taking anyone else? Have you thought about taking Elijah Mitchell? Not necessarily, man. Like, I, I think we talked about this last week, but, like, the 49ers are just a team... As far as, like, their running back says, as far as, like, I don't really want anything to deal with. Yeah. Until, like, there's, like, a proven, proven It just seems like it's going to be a headache. Exactly, Like, every week just seems like you have to sit there and stress about who's going to get what carries. Exactly. It's 11.55, you don't have a flex in, and you're trying to choose between Elijah Mitchell, Trey Sermon after he gets extra practice reps on some random week seven Sunday. Right. And then throw in some random other flex player that can well, play. Well, exactly, man. And especially with their running back acquisition this summer or during the draft uh, with, I think it's Davis Price. Yeah, Tyrion Davis Price. Yeah, like I just think that they obviously took him with the capital that they did. They I think him in the third round. Yeah, so. That's pretty high for. It is, especially when you already have all these other, not necessarily proven running yeah. backs, but like you have some people there. And the Niners also didn't have a first round pick. They traded it for Trey Lance last year. Yeah. And so the third is basically like their second pick of the draft. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, I just kind of think. There's a chance that he could be the starter some weeks, and then there's chances that Elijah Mitchell or God knows who else is on that fucking team. I mean, I don't think Jeff Wilson's going to be doing shit for fuck, but, like, I just think that... It, so, like, maybe I, like, I'm looking at it a little bit, like, I don't know, from, like, outside, but, like, I just think, like, with those three-headed running back rooms, especially when, like, you don't necessarily, like, see, like, those keys as far as, like, someone... Uh, being, like, more utilized than the other. Like you said, like, it just ends up being a fucking headache. And Sometimes to, you pay, you'll pay the tax to get something that's convenient and reliable. Exactly. Like, I don't care, like, if they're going to be maybe, like, a little bit more injury-prone because, like, they're fucking being utilized more. But, like, if I'm going to take a running back, especially, like, in a, in a redraft league, mm-hmm. I'm going to make sure that I get the best value. So, basically, to break that down, if you don't understand it, is if you're... Let's say you're a single uh, young dude. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you just graduated college. 
uh, you got some money now, you're, you know, somewhere chilling, and you're trying to court a girlfriend, like, you're trying to go get a girlfriend, right? Okay. Are you going to go after the girl who, like, maybe she parties a lot, and maybe you do too, but, like, you always gotta, like, call, like, every other night at 3 a.m. to, like, make sure she's okay? Or, like, you haven't heard from her all day, or... Like, she's always at risk of being in danger because of where she goes or who she hangs out with, right? Okay. Or would you rather go get the girl who has her shit together, um, you know, is quote-unquote reliable, mm-hmm. and is the same person day in and day out? And, you know what I'm saying? Like, gives you the sweet sloppy-toppy. Back-to-back. <laughs> back-to-back. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like you you want to go for the girl who you can rely on every day, right? Exactly. It's yeah, the like, same thing with fantasy players. Like, yeah, like if I like come back to my apartment and somehow like she like got a key and I show up and she has like food ready for me, I'm like, wait, like that's kind of sketch, but it's kind of cool. Yeah, like it's dank, like it's yeah. unexpected, like and, and that's kind of like let's say like if you go and get uh like an AJ Dillon for example, and yeah, mm-hmm. like you might be pressing a little bit more on the. Uh, value of that pick and obviously he does have some sort of a handcuff to him which that could be like the sketchiness of her like sneaking into your apartment but like if you get like two touchdowns in a game because like he is handcuffed to AJ Aaron Jones and he gets that goal line tutty instead of him like Mm -hmm. that's even sweeter yeah like that's that's the food on the table it's like she might sneak in but she might get dinner and a movie out of it so cool you know sweet sloppy toppy Back to back. Back. <laughs> but yeah, that's how I look at players, and that those are the kind of guys I want on my team because this is the team that I'm looking at every Sunday. I got to rely on, and I'm only going to be able to make so many trades, right? So yeah, what I got is what I got, and so I'm uh, definitely making sure I make the wise, the right choice there. Exactly. Yeah, just make sure to look at the outlook a little bit. Like when you see people on that same team that are conti- continuously producing, and you have a motherfucker that's on that same team and they just have those little like blimp games where they'll get like seven or eight points and you think, oh, they might have some upside. Like, just think a little bit deeper and just think if you're drafting someone, how can I make sure that I'm going to get a motherfucker that can produce, get me eight, nine, ten plus yeah. points. Reliable you know, with upside. Reliable with upside. You know what I'm saying? Sloppy like, copy back to back. Speaking of toppy, uh... <laughs> <laughs> yo, this is crazy. Uh, yo, I want to talk about a guy who I think has some upside. For sure. <laughs> he showed some upside. But I want to project what he looks like moving forward because it's only been one year of his NFL career. For sure. Who are you talking about, bro? Um, I want to talk about Amon Ra on the Detroit Lions wide receiver. Bro, he's kind of he's a really interesting prospect to me, man. Like, I really liked what he did in his first year in the NFL here. Like, I thought it was, obviously, I don't think it was, like, fucking, like, special, like, beyond belief. Like, obviously, you saw Jalen Waddle, you saw Jamar Chase. Mm-hmm. Like, those are unreal years. Yeah. But, but he still had a really good rookie year, though. Yeah, exactly. Like, I think his year is kind of more comparable to, like, Elijah Moore. Mm-hmm. You know, like, where, like, I think there is a lot of room for upside, yeah. But if you look at both those situations, they both brought in wide receiver in the first round. They did. And so, I guess to anyone's guess, like you would assume there's going to be at least like a slight downtick in both of their proje- or productions. Mm-hmm. Just because, I mean, when you think about a uh, first-year receiver coming in, 
Like, obviously, they're going to get their grabs, bro. Like, Yeah. And when you look at both those guys, Amara was taken in, I believe, the third, and Elijah Moore the second. Yep. Nonetheless, yeah, I think Amara, I think he's going to probably be around, like, that wide receiver three or four area this year. Maybe around five or six. I'm not really sure. But I think he's going to be startable for your team 100%, at least in a slot role. And after the first couple of weeks, if you just don't think he's productive, I I would assume at the end of the day that's the right decision to bench him. But uh-huh. I would not I would never drop this guy just because, I mean, when you look at the Lions, yeah. it seems like they're always playing from behind, and so they're going to be throwing the ball. And yeah. I'm on Ross St. Brown. He can do some nasty stuff with the balls or with the ball in his hand. So, I mean, we've seen it uh, just, like, on the run. Like, he can, like, out-sprint some people. Uh He fucking is a yak monster, it seems like, already. Uh And he's physical out there. Like, Uh he doesn't mind contact. So, those those are, like, three characteristics that I really appreciate in my wide receivers. Um, I mean, Jameson Williams is probably going to be, you know, taking the top off of the defense. Jameson Williams is going to be the wide receiver one on that team. Yeah, probably, and rightfully so. I mean, he's extremely fucking uh, exciting to watch on the field. Like, he can do just about anything. Um, but so, go ahead. I like Amon Ross, too. Mm-hmm. I liked him for what he produced last year, and I like him for his profile. Mm-hmm. I like him for his hands, which are pretty reliable. We saw that. Uh, twice a year when he played his brother Equinemius against the Packers. Dog, I'm still pissed about that too. Cause like, how is EQ like? I don't want to shit on the guy, but like, EQ's he has, a good player, but he has a much higher ceiling that he hasn't hit yet. I don't even know if he even has much of a ceiling anymore. Honestly, like he's a cool like prospect, I think. Yeah. But as far as like actual productivity, I just you got smoke I, with EQ a little bit, dude. Like. What would happen if he heard this and then saw you at a bowling alley, like just throwing gutter balls? Like, well, you probably shit on me after watching my performance bowling, but like, regardless, dude, like, I'm not out on a national audience doing that shit for money. Mm-hmm. Like, this guy is. And when you're looking at the numbers, Equinemius is 6'5, which is the thing that always, like, I always thought he had potential because of his size. Bro, we gotta stop looking at just people's sizes and just assume that they're gonna be productive. Like, when you look at the traits behind him, like, but he he's a cool prospect, but, like, he wasn't, like, a burner. Like, he was really just, like, almost what Lazard is. Like, he, I, he was a slimmer Lazard. I'd say so. He's about, like, 10, 15 pounds lighter. Than I, Lazard, I, yeah, I I'd assume so. But the thing about what you just said that I think is really important is you want to stop limiting people to their size, to their profile. I mean, I could say the same thing about Drake London, who we've been talking about for months now. But, I mean, a lot of the reason why he went as a wide receiver one in rookie drafts is because of that size. It was just incredible. And, like, he was above average at a bunch of other shit. But because of the mere fact that he was two, three inches taller than everyone... And uh, he didn't test for his 40, so we have no idea. So mm-hmm. it's all up to our previous perception of him on whether he's good or bad. Yeah, that's fair. Like, I mean, you're not you're not wrong with that with that assessment. But I think the difference between EQ and Drake London is a world of a difference. Drake London's a much better player. Don't get me wrong on that. He's probably more thick in size. Like but, he's just able to do a lot of, more of those things at an NFL level than but, what people can get away with at college. And we haven't even seen Drake London fucking play it down yet. And people are already trying to ride his dick. Is I mean, Falcons fans are like that. 
Like I'm, just, I'm sorry, bro. Like Falcons fans are kind of like, uh, it's just whatever the hype is. Mm-hmm. But um, I want to say that's important because I want you guys at home who are listening to know that you should definitely take some insight from what the community says, right? And kind of what the general feel is for a player, because that many people, it's hard for that many people to be wrong that consistently. But we've seen it happen before. We've seen it happen in an occasion, but for the most part, I mean, we get it. The community gets it 90% of the time. 70 to 90% of the time, which is more than half. Yeah. So everyone's kind of saying Drake London's going to be this, Drake London's going to be that, he's going to be a superstar. His comp to me is obviously Mike Evans, as you've all heard a million times. Yep. It's Brandon Marshall-ish. He's big. He's um, he's surprisingly athletic and agile the first time you play him. Sure. But he's someone that I think with terrible quarterback play, with not a great franchise in terms of like their front office and shit. Mm-hmm. I don't love his landing spot. He doesn't profile as one of the better receivers in this draft class for me. Mm-hmm. But that goes to show how much faith and stock we put into size and weight. Which is kind of why we give J.K. Dobbins the benefit of the doubt. Which is why we give Amon Ra somewhat of the benefit of the doubt. But like I'm giving J.K. Dobbins the benefit of the doubt because he produced at Ohio State as their running back one for a long time. And then after that, he went to the NFL, and like you had said with it, like he got 800 yards in that first year as a rookie, which isn't bad at all for a running mm-hmm. back. Yep. And when you look at EQ, what he did at Notre Dame is, mm-hmm. if, if you're trying to compare apples to oranges, I would say it's probably laughable. Like, to, to think that a running back that was taken in the first round is comparable to a wide receiver that I think went undrafted or in like in the sixth or seventh. Like, bro, cut me some fucking slack. Like, there's there's nothing to compare at that point. I was kind of just more so referencing, like, against the general competition, not just Equinemius. I guess, but still, like, it's just, I don't know, man. Like, if you're trying to compare those two, like, I, I think there's a lot more other people that you can compare in the middle. Because EQ, like, he has literally zero fantasy outlook, I would assume. Especially mm-hmm. with him going to the Bears. And uh-huh. when you look at J.K. Downs, which we had just kind of established that he, he is on probably the most prolific running offense in the league. I'm sorry, but come on, man. Like, <laughs> Yo, speaking of, I guess, being questionable about folks' like, profiles and where they rank and what they're protected to do. Yeah, well, let me, uh, I don't think we ever really, really established where, well, where would you rank Ama before we get off Amara. this topic? Oh, yeah. shit, yeah. Where would you, I mean, like, I think probably, like, around, like, that three or four. Where would I, I rank? Where would I rank? Yeah. Amara? I'd have yeah. to say, I think he sees a dip. He was wide receiver 21. Okay. For a lot of people in his first year in the league, which, you know, he got a lot of uh, targets. I think he was top 25 in the NFL as far as targets went. That's sweet. He had about 114, and he had 90 catches on him. Mm-hmm. But the thing that concerned me the most about his profile was his yards per catch. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were pretty low. He averaged about 10 um, compared to someone like a Stephon Diggs or someone of like a higher caliber. Yeah. They were averaging somewhere between 15, 16, 17, 18. They were just having bigger catches. That's true. They were having you more to, explosive plays. Yeah, but that also comes down to the offense as well. I mean, when you're trying to compare Jared Goff as a quarterback to Josh Allen, I mean, obviously that just kind of comes with the tide. And if you have Jameson Williams or Amara, Ra, I would just hold them if you have them in Dynasty because mm-hmm. with this next QB class, if they were to get someone who's more explosive than Jared Goff, 
I think that you could probably see a little bit of an uptick in but those wide receivers. I think my thing against Amon Rise also is competition because TJ Hawkinson missed a good chunk of last year. They did not have uh, Jamison Williams, who will be back probably sometime in the middle of next year. Mm-hmm. And DJ Chark also signed with the team on a one-year contract, and he was the lead guy in Jacksonville. True. So they have a ton of target competition. And I think last year, a lot of the reason Amon Ra was top 25 was because he got so many fucking targets. Yeah, because they didn't have anyone to really throw to. Like, we were talking about Khalif Raymond yeah. as, like, a starting wide receiver some weeks. You replace him the now. Khalif Raymond? Like, with the healthy hawk. You got DeAndre Swift in the backfield catching passes. You got uh, DJ Chark in town now. You got Jamison Williams in town now. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think it's just... I don't think he sees the amount of attention that he did last year. I think he averages more explosive plays because of the distractions on the field. That's fair. But I don't think my man sees as many catches and targets as he did last year, which contributed kind of a lot to okay. where he ended up in fantasy as wide receiver 21. In his Break it year. down for me, then. Do you think he's at least inside the top 35? I think he's top... I think he's right there on the border, yeah. Okay. I think he's a wide receiver three. Uh, he'll be pretty startable. Yeah. But I don't know if he has the largest ceiling every week. That's fair. So you would at least probably put, throw him in a slot role, like, if anything. Like, if you need, like, someone who... Amon Ra will be a startable wide receiver three. That'll yeah. average you... I don't know. Numbers like Robbie Anderson did a couple years ago. Okay. Like, you know what I'm saying? He'll be like up and down. Like 7 to like 15-ish? Some, somewhere around that. But when okay. he goes in a streak, it'll be nice. Yeah, for sure. But, and I think I, I think he has the capabilities to like, especially since he's kind of comfortable in the offense. Like he had, like you said, mm-hmm. over 100 uh, targets, everything like that. Like obviously you only do that if you're comfortable and if the quarterback is comfortable with you. So I think that's going to be really nice as well. So we'll see. But yeah, I don't, I don't doubt if he does take a little bit of a downtick towards like the uh, 30s. Mm-hmm. I, I just that's that's acceptable in my, my opinion, especially with adding yeah. uh high end thirty ish yeah. receiver. Yeah, especially yeah, adding that first round wide receiver, it's always a little tough, but he's there for a reason. Yeah, like 100%. he's gonna get a shot. So we'll see what happens with that. Um, another mess that I guess I don't want to call it a mess, but a situation they're trying to figure out. Yeah, it's happening in the northwest out in Washington. Oh shit! Uh, so in Seattle, they yep. got a bunch of dudes. Who are trying to play running back? And trying to in Seattle, they have <laughs> they're trying to they have what we call like a work share, which means that a bunch of different running backs are all trying to get involved into the offense. Yeah, so they have a bunch of guys there like Travis Homer, like Kenneth Walker, recent draftee, like Chris Rashad Carson, Penny, uh, Rashad Penny, who was a guy who was coming back. They got about four or five running backs back there that could all like you know what I'm saying like see work. Yeah, and. I don't know, man. Like, who do you want out of that running back room Bro, in Seattle? If I'm gonna keep it a buck, <clears throat> I kind of think that Chris Carson is down the spiral of his career right now, and so if you have any stock in him, I would probably say best of luck and best wishes. I don't know what anyone would give up for him right now, but I would probably put most of my stock into either Rashad Penny or Kenneth Walker. Kenneth Walker, for obvious reasons, I mean, he's a second-round draft pick this year. He yep. is probably the most dynamic running back in that room. He's a guy. Um, and Rashad Penny, I mean, I've liked him since he was at uh, San Diego State, man. Like, yeah. it seems like he just has the wheels to absolutely torch a defense if he can get behind him. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and he also has a little bit of power behind him to, like, break a tackle if need be. Like, he's not, don't get me wrong, like, he's not going to try to, like, shut off, like, a defensive lineman or some shit. Like, he'll go down pretty much instantly. <laughs> but, like, if you get him, like, let's say, like, him and, like, a linebacker go, like, head-to-head or some shit. Yeah. Like, there's a little bit of a chance that he might just power back and fucking, you know, drive the linebacker back, get, like, five more yards. He might just say, fuck it. Yeah, exactly, dude. Like, he, I think, has a little bit of that power that you're looking for. Yeah. So, I would say out of, like, yeah, like, between, like, Homer, fucking Chris Carson, Rashad Penny, Kenneth mm-hmm. Walker. I'm probably going with the the last two with uh, Rashad Penny and Kenneth Walker. You have to pick one. And Rashad Penny, for his value, will be a good pickup and redraft. For sure. I would say if I had to pick one, though, it would definitely be Kenneth. 100%. Yeah, like investing in one dynasty, dynasty league type shit. Yeah, I guess. I, I would assume you're probably in the same boat as me. Yeah, I'm but, taking Penny. Uh, yeah, I mean... When you're just looking at it, I mean, if he isn't getting those uh, RB1 uh, carries right away, he's going to be getting them down the line. What's up? I just think there's always, like, that little bit of, like, a weird, like, transition, especially in uh, running back rooms. I call him Kung Fu Kenny. Kung Fu Kenny. I call him uh, Kenny because he went to Michigan State with the intention of playing a pro-style offense. A lot of us already know that, right? Yeah. So my man wanted to get ready for the NFL, and in a season in which he played in a pro-style offense at Michigan State as a Spartan, my man went crazy. He led the league. He was winning all types of awards. Everyone knows that I'm not the college football guy who watches it every week and mm-hmm. every year even, but um, my man was in line to win hella Hello Awards. Mm-hmm. Best running back in the country, as opposed to someone like a Brees Hall or Isaiah Spiller. Right. He, he was a guy, man. And he's going to an offense that's probably going to run the ball top five in the league. Right. The, uh, neither of those quarterbacks, they're not going to get Mayfield or Garoppolo, most mm-hmm. likely. And they're going to be stuck with Drew Locker, Geno Smith. So, well, bro, like, what if they do get, like, a Gardner Minshew or some shit like that? Do you think that that would help out at all, or do you think that... They might want an extra game, but I don't... Okay. I, you don't think it's going to be much of an improvement? I, no. I Yeah, I, I feel that as well. I understand. No. You got Tyler Lockett, who's, you know, kind of getting towards his older days, and, you know what I'm saying? Like, football might start to become, like, more of a job than, like, a whatever. Damn. Because it's like, you know, you got other shit that you want to invest in, like... He talks about it a lot, and uh, DK Metcalf is in a contract thing right now. He's not, like, in a dispute, but it's time for him to sign some money, and uh, they got to make it happen one way or another. Mm -hmm. they got to figure out the direction they want to take this offense and this franchise. Right. And so Kenneth Walker's coming in at the perfect time because he's going to be a centerpiece of that offense no matter who stays and no matter who goes, which is in his benefit. But the thing about Kenneth Walker, too, is the fact that he's going to be on a bad offense. It's not going to move the ball often. Right. And as someone who doesn't have a ton of pass catching experience, do we think that he's going to be able to be sustainable in Seattle, especially if they're getting down in the second half of, half of games? What do you think? Like, do you think Kenneth Walker is someone you can play in the second half of a game? Yeah, I think if, that... I if you're losing by, like, let's say two scores? 100%, dude. I think that Kenneth Walker, I think he's able to do anything he wants on the field. I think when you look at Michigan State, they typically, I would say other than, well, even Le'Veon Bell, like he's probably known as one of the best pass-catching running backs uh, for a little bit there. Even him at Michigan State, same college, we didn't really necessarily see that out of him because Michigan State is a pro-style offense. They fucking run the ball 
with running backs, and they throw to wide receivers and tight ends. Mm-hmm. Like that's just kind of like with their mentality. That's their that's their prerogative. Mm-hmm. And when you look at when you look at some of like the OTAs, some of the rookie minicamp shit out of Seattle, like you can see that Kyle Walker is making some of these stupid catches. Yeah, he's gonna be the guy that's like the centerpiece of that offense. It's yeah, shape like up as. yeah, like you just said, man. And to think that someone like with his skill set being able to do the shit that he's able to do. If you mm-hmm. think that he just has fucking brick for hands, mm-hmm. I think you're kind of underestimating his talent. Like, football players are some of the most talented motherfuckers in the world. Like, mm-hmm. most of these guys are two, three-sport athletes. I think he's going to have all the ability in the world to fucking catch a ball when it comes down to crunch time. Mm-hmm. Bro, you know who I really want to see succeed? Who? Lamar Jackson. That's facts, dude. I He deserves it so much, bro. Especially coming out of Louisville and, like, everyone's shitting on him. I'm not saying, like, he's going to be, like, a good, like, quarterback that he was a running back and all this he's shit. He's just, a, like, a good human being. Mm-hmm. Like, my man does everything the right way. He never gets in trouble. He's authentic to who he is. And, like, he still leads, like, you know what I'm saying, like, one of the biggest franchises in the NFL. They're always good. They're always efficient. They always have, you know, playoff seasons. And you gotta appreciate, like, the family basis of him, too. Like, his mom is, I think, his agent. Like, which is really cool. So, like, he's keeping all that money within their pockets, within the Jackson family. I like the way, I like the, I just like the way he conducts himself, man. Yeah, man. Like, I respect it. Yeah, very respectable. I like it a lot as well. Yeah. But, speaking of, and that's enough of the Ravens. We gotta stop talking about the Ravens. Goddamn Ravens, dude. Goddamn it, Jahaya. Get your shit together, dog. With all the fault. Speaking of... Bro, I, I, I want to bring something up here quick. I think this is probably some of the biggest breaking news that's happened in the NFL, probably with like since the draft. Mm-hmm. But I think someone actually out-pizzaed the motherfucking hut. Wait, what? Bro, so Pizza Hut was the previous like uh, pizza sponsor of the NFL. There is now huh. a new sponsor, a new official pizza sponsor of the NFL. Is it Papa John's? No, you gotta kind of think outside of the box for this one, bro. Is it DiGiorno? It's, it's not delivery, it's DiGiorno? Nah, dude. It's Pizza Pizza. It's Little Caesars, dude. <laughs> Wait, what? Little Caesars is now the official pizza sponsor of the NFL, dude. They out pizza the motherfucking hut. Wait, th- wait, what? Little Caesars. Little Caesars is the pizza sponsor for the NFL? They are officially the new pizza sponsor of the NFL. They out pizzaed. The hut. Damn, good for Little Caesars. Let's go, bro. They all let's go. So I guess like, you know, as a as a consumer of pizza, how do you think that this is kind of aligning with you, like as a fancy owner? Like, do you think instead of instead of like obviously when you're getting ready to order some za or something for the game, do you think that you're going to be thinking more about Little Caesars than Pizza Hut now, or let's say Domino's? And I think you're a big Domino's guy. Like, what, what would you rather go to? Or Papa I mean, John's? Or... The way I think that Little Caesars affects me as a fantasy football player yeah, is I think I'm going to have a lot more clarity when I make my decisions. That's I'm gonna, fair. I'm going to explain why. With Pizza Hut, you could do delivery. If any of you have ever ordered a pizza from Pizza Hut for you and your boys, like, as you watch a game or something. Yeah. Y'all usually order it at, like, 3 or 4 or 5 o'clock, right? Yeah. It's, like, more, like, after lunchtime and shit. Yeah. Little Caesars is kind of one of those, like, noon game pizzas. 
Okay. To where you go to Little Caesars, like you go for a walk or you go drive to Little Caesars at like eleven thirty and you go pick up the pizza. Yeah. And like you just eat it within the first half hour of the noon games. Facts. Like it's not something you can get delivered. You can now. You can? Oh yeah. There's delivery now. Oh bet. Okay, cool. Bro, they out pizza in the hut. Hey, but you know the most important part is that it's hot and ready. Facts. And you want to eat that bitch when it's ready. So, like, I feel like when I go to get Little Caesars, I'm going to be clear-headed because I'm going to get away from my living room, mm-hmm. away from my TV, away from my phone, maybe for a few minutes as a drive. Facts. And, like, I'll be able to come back right before the noon games. And That's unreal. That's unprecedented. I really appreciate that, man. Yeah, for sure. Like, I just think... What about you? Bro, I just think it's kind of a win for everyone. Yeah. Because I feel like literally the whole world has been shitting on Little Caesars since, the, since it basically had... You know, came to fruition. People keep saying, oh, $5 for a pizza, that's disgusting. Bitch, it's only disgusting because you said it's disgusting. Yeah. Like, it's honestly, the first time I had it, I thought I was in heaven. Mm-hmm. Like, I was like, this is fucking $5. Can I tell you about Los Caesars? Tell me a little bit about it, bro. Quick story. I was in college. I was 21. I was broke. But $5 for a pizza was a deal. Unreal. Crazy deal. So, what I would do is on the weekend before Sunday games, I would do just that. I would go and walk my ass four blocks of Little Caesars on the busy street of my college town. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lineup. It's a Euro spot. It's a Little C's. It's a bar. Yeah. In between the bar and the Euro spot, I go and grab my Little C's pizza. That's lit. Nice little eight to ten minute walk. Twenty minutes outside. Mm-hmm. Pizza ready in five. I spent so much of my Sunday mornings just in transport getting my like game day food. Mm-hmm. To where I was actually able to, like, get some fresh air, breathe, let go of some of that toxic energy from the night before. Absolutely. And uh, make probably, a clear-headed decision. Probably still hungover as shit. Oh, but, for sure. Yeah. But, you know what I'm saying? Like, that little bit of fresh air changed your whole mind. Exactly. Then a little bit of greasy little Caesars. Oh, yeah, yeah. Unreal, dude. Feeling great. So, yeah, man. I think, I think this is kind of like an innovation that I don't know if anyone's necessarily seen before because... Like, I won't lie, like, when you're looking at, like, quality and everything, mm-hmm. typically people like to sway towards getting more quality, more quality. This is kind of an interesting take because, like, Little Caesars, I mean, Do you, when, when you want to break it down, I would say people technically say, because it's five bucks, it's lesser quality. Is this Little Caesars rebrand? It could be, bro. I mean, I just think that it's going to be really crazy going to Little Caesars now and seeing an NFL logo on the box. Like, because they're involved in the NFL and they want to, like, orient towards families, like, they're going to have to pick up delivery and they're also going to have to pick up sit-in restaurants where you can have an experience. I don't, I don't, I don't know if that necessarily really fits into Little Caesars as far as, like, being a sit-down place. Maybe you're right. Maybe I'm thinking too much about it, but I do think that, like, at some point, like, you want to have... Like, is your only sale from that transaction the sale you get on Sunday for well, a pizza? Well, bro, like, I mean, once you start getting people to actually start going to your establishment, like, a lot of people probably don't even know where the closest Little Caesars to their place is. Mm-hmm. So, like, once you just start getting a little bit more traffic, then people are like, oh, shit, like, I get done at work at 5, do I really want to go home and, like, I have True. a frozen pizza, like, do I want to fire up the oven or do I want to just go to Little Caesars, get a quick $5 pizza, and, like, chill out the rest of the night. I think my thing that I was trying to say was that Pizza Hut is such a spot to where you don't need to necessarily be watching a sports game to have it think of, to think of it. You don't necessarily even need to think of um just the convenience aspect. Like, mm-hmm. it's been around so long where, like, you remember going to Little 
or you remember going to Pizza Hut restaurants as a kid. Sure do. And going to the salad bar and getting pizza and like sitting in the booth and like and the dim lighting and maybe you live in a state where they smoke cigarettes there. Yeah. Right. Like there's like a certain nostalgia with it. With Little Caesars, the only nostalgia is that like I went there and I was like, you know, like I just took my medicine. Yeah. Or like, you know, maybe I had a couple drinks. Right. And um, I went there to grab something to eat real quick. But there's like not that nostalgia. There's not that family feel to it. That's fair, but I mean. It's like gas station. It's like quick gas station pizza, basically. It's like you're in and out. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Like, you got what you got, you know what you got, and you commit to it. Like, you eat Little Caesars, you fall asleep in, like, 20 minutes. I don't want to be negative, but you eat Little Caesars, you fall asleep in 20 minutes. Most of the time, yeah. You probably don't, <laughs> you probably don't touch it after you have the pizza for, like, an hour. Teach their own. I mean, like, I'm not going to lie. Like, after a while, like. If I still have, like, half a Little Caesars pizza, like, I'll throw a bit in the, like, refrigerator. Or in the oven. And, yeah, exactly. And, like, two hours later, like, when I'm hungry again, like, yeah. I'll just throw it back in the oven. Yeah, like, yeah. that's one thing. Like, that's one pizza I don't know if I'll throw in the microwave. For sure. But I'll, I'll throw it back in the oven and, like, I'll smash the shit out of that, dude. Yeah, like, I, that's unreal. Straight up, I think my pizza rankings, and we'll get off this in a second. <laughs> but uh, my number one... I can't cap, bro. Papa John's is fire. Yeah, it's pretty dank, dude. But and I'm talking about number one pizza for, like, delivery, like, quick shit. Like, yeah. get it in, like, 40 minutes. Yeah. Um, The dank crust from Papa John's is fire. Yeah. If I had a number one or two, it would be between Papa John's mm-hmm. and probably, yeah, probably Pizza Hut. Or, I like Pizza Hut, bro. Like, I won't lie. Like, yeah. as much as, like, we're capping right now, like... Domino's is my three, though. Yeah. I mean, I think this is... I think this is to kind of get Little Caesars into the conversation now, though. For sure. Like, I think that this is what this branding is going to be all about, which I'm really excited for. Yeah. I think, bro, like, what if we're talking about this next time... Or same time next year, and somehow Little Caesars is now your number two? What if Little Caesars just did, like, a 24-hour chain... They started doing a bunch of, like, all-day, all-night chains so they could, like, capitalize on, like... I mean, like, that's dank, like, for, like, the thought of it, but... I feel like they'll incorporate crypto or, like, um, sports gambling into the marketing for this somehow, some way. Oh, 100%. Yeah, like, if you're not implementing that shit into your organization at this point, like... We'll see some... You're kind of losing some cap in there. Lucy's more than likely probably just going to start accepting crypto and, like, it'll become, like, some shit. Yeah, probably. I, I would respect it. Yeah, which would be smart for them, but, um, you know, that's that's enough about pizza. I, I think the last thing I really wanted to get to you about was Terry McLaurin. I'm trying to, you know, figure out where he where he's projected to go um, in a lot of redrafts next year. Yeah. Wide receiver one, wide receiver two, wide receiver three or flex for Terry McLaurin. Well, so I think he probably has the ability to be like a top 15 wide receiver. Um, but I don't think I would ever necessarily draft him within that capital. Mm-hmm. Like, I think right now, if I'm looking at redraft okay. leagues, I'm probably looking at him as like, maybe like a fourth round pick for me. A fourth rounder? Bro. That's a steal. I, I, well, it, it's going to have to be a steal, at least for me. Cause like, like I've kind of, I'm going to stick on my fucking soapbox, bro. Like, I don't necessarily like Carson Wentz as a car or as a quarterback. I know. And so, with that, like, I'm going to have to get immense value for a pick to take someone from the Commanders. Yep. 
Like, I I appreciate him as a wide receiver. Like, if he gets traded somewhere, like, midseason, and I miss out on that, then, then you know, maybe he does fruition into being more of, like, a top, like, 15, top 10 wide mm. receiver. But until something like that happens, dude, like, I just don't want anything to do with the fucking commanders. Yeah, Terry McLaurin's kind of going where he should go right now. Right, and, yeah, especially, like, what I'm saying, like, allegedly go. he's not getting traded. Uh, allegedly he's supposed to be signing a deal with them. Like, I'm sorry, but just right now, as it stands, at least in redraft, I'm not touching the commanders until, like, I get, like, some immense value, like a four for McLaurin or... Like a seven, eight for dots, and you know, like something I, stupid like that. I value the commander's offense probably a speck lower than I do the Jaguars. And so, when I'm making these kind of decisions for you listeners who maybe want some insight into maybe how I try to make this easier on myself, mm-hmm. is when I go on a drives, I look at how I rank teams and how I rank their offenses and how I rank just kind of what I think they'll be. Mm-hmm. If I am not taking Christian Kirk. As a wide receiver two, mm-hmm. or if I'm not taking Christian Kirk or considering Christian Kirk to be even a wide receiver three, mm-hmm. it's really hard for me to sit there and reason that Terry McLaurin is going to be much better. Well, I mean, <clears throat> I know he's obviously he's proven it more over the history of his career, but I also believe that we know what Terry McLaurin is. He's a wide receiver two, sure. like a mid to low end wide receiver two every year. And coming into a year in which he's doesn't have any chemistry whatsoever or practice time with the quarterback, mm-hmm. he's probably going to have very limited of that. The offense is obviously moving one way, and he's not there for the transition and just right. the chemistry building and how you maintain that and how you function that, like how you get that going. Right. He's missing out on a lot of really valuable stuff. Like you're essentially missing out on the early stages of an offense because – you know, you take time off for your contract, which is important. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you got a new quarterback there. You got some new offensive pieces. You got a number one. You got a first round draft pick receiver there, mm-hmm. like who you're competing with and working with. A new mm-hmm. quarterback, Logan Thomas, apparently had a lot more injuries than were previously um, alluded to. Mm-hmm. So my man is probably going to be out for a good amount of the year. And I'm not boosting John Bates or anybody like that. But I'm saying that those receivers are going to be so much more involved this year. That's fair. And, like, I think that there's more passing opportunity than there was last year with Taylor Heineke. And I do think that if McLaurin just misses out on that initial chemistry building with Wentz, he'll get those forced passes throughout the throughout the season, throughout the early weeks. Mm-hmm. Well, but, keep it a buck, bro. Like, once he's going to force those passes regardless. Like, no, he is. He and is. McLaurin, he has enough talent to catch a lot of those balls in his in his range. So I guess the volume is what I'm leaning on with McLaurin, and I don't know what that volume is going to look like. That's fair, man. I Yeah, I, I get that. I just, man, it's just, it's tough for me, man. Like, I would honestly, I'd put Christian Kurt as a possibility to be in front of Terry McLaurin this year when it comes down to the range. That's what I'm thinking, too. Just because, like, I trust, I trust uh, Trevor Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence, much more than what I do Carson Wentz. Absolutely, and Doug Peterson. I mean, to an extent, yeah. Yeah, but I don't know. That's kind of where I'm at with that. But mm-hmm. um, enough on that, yo. We appreciate y'all for tapping in. Thank you for listening. I'm Ja. Hey, appreciate y'all. I'm Dugo. All right, we out, and uh, we'll we'll tap in with you next week. Hey.
the seaside On a one-way street, though It's a million ways to 